The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. the 122nd episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. Ah, man, how you doing? Okay, so that is a difficult question for me and I'm because uh, my weekend was strange. So... I, I work my, my counterparts, my overnight counterpart was in the Dominican Republic, which is awesome. And uh, so I worked for him all three days. So I haven't had a day off in like a long time. And then, so that uh, to work is tired. But on Saturday, I, I was able to go to a comic convention. What happened was I got some things for my birthday I got meet and greets for my birthday for the comic convention, so pretty much going was fairly cheap for me, and I was able to get some of my pop signed. So I met uh, Ray Fisher. He was cyborg in the Justice League uh, Justice League movie. He signed my cyborg pop. He was very nice. Talked, told him, uh, told him how uh, how awesome that I thought he was and how much the extended version of Justice League was better than the first. I actually want to watch the extended version again after seeing him because he, he was just seemed like a very nice, humble guy. Very attractive man, you know. That I'm just going to throw that out there. He's just like, hey, I can respect when somebody is a handsome person. He was very handsome. All right, then I got Stephen Amell. And then this is a little AEW related. Got to tell him how much I'm enjoying Hills, how much my wife enjoys Hills. Uh, he signed my uh, Oliver Queen pop, and he signed it. Uh, you know, you uh, you have failed this city, and he signed it, and it was a beautiful autograph. AEW related. I he, he he's been saying if you, anyone's been paying attention, he's been saying he was going to be at Arthur Ashe this weekend. So, I mean, this week on Wednesday, he was going to be at Arthur Ashe. And I was like, so are you going to be coming down to the ring with Cody like you did at Revolution? And he's like, I will be there. I will be somewhere around the ring. So he was very clear not to say he would be Cody. And based on that, my gut feeling, I was like, please don't turn on Cody. (laughs) So, and he was like, well, we'll see. So, 
So I don't. I, I he never answered. So this is not a spoiler. It just feels like he's going to turn on Cody Wednesday. He's working you, bud. He might be working me. He he left me very much hanging. It was a very positive experience. Stephen Amell, I always say he's always like he's on cocaine because there's so much energy and he's so happy to see you. It's just like this can't be natural. He's a very awesome guy. Uh, so that was fun. Then I got photo ops with him. Then I got a photo op with one of my favorite all-time movie series. You know, it's like Fast and the Furious, and then it's like it's Rocky. I love all the Rockies. Anytime any of them on, I I can watch it. So I got to meet Carl Weathers, aka Apollo Creed. He's also he was uh. Wait for real? You didn't see the picture? No, I didn't see that one. Yeah, no. So I met Apollo Creed, and I got a picture. Got to do the box the boxing uh, pose with him, and that was that was really cool. He was also on Happy Gilmore, and yeah, um, yeah. So I got to meet Apollo Creed, her Carl Weathers. It was just, it was a dream come true. I, I would say the little kid in me was marking out, but literally every version of Floyd was marking out. Uh, so, th- and then got to do the little boxing pose, and he was just very nice, very personable. And so, got to meet him. And then my last picture, it actually wasn't my last picture, it was actually my second picture, is I am a child of the 90s. I was born in 81, so my formative years were really in the 90s. And you know, before Dawson's Creek, One Tree Hill, all that stuff, there was a teenage sitcom called Saved by the Bell, and there was this character named Zach Morris. Now, you want to talk about a mark for somebody. I literally wanted to be Zach Morris when I grew up. The timeout, he was the coolest person, all the schemes, because you just think about it. I always said this when people would talk about Zach Morris and trash. Think about how intelligent you had to be to come up with all those schemes. You know, and, you know, most of them worked except for, like, you know, one failed thing on it, you know, which made sitcoms sitcoms. But I love Zach. All the girls dated. He was, like, the one guy that literally dated every girl on the show at some point in time. So, love me some uh, Mark Paul Gossler. Then there was a show, as I got older, called Franklin and Bash. If you haven't seen it, it was on TNT. Go watch it. Check it out. It's one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. Him and Brecken Meyer, they have this amazing chemistry. But, yeah, so MPG, Zach Morris is the person I was so I got to meet him, and that was great. I didn't buy his pop, so I didn't do the autograph thing with him, but he, he's been doing more signings, so I'll probably get him on the next time he's around. So it was just really cool. I got to meet, like, childhood heroes and, you know, get pictures with them and, you know, and it was just it was great. And, and he was just as nice and as personable as I hoped he would be. And yeah, that was it was awesome. So that was great. So I got off work Saturday morning at seven o'clock. My friend picked me up at eight. We drove to Dallas, which is about three hours. I literally slept the whole way because I'd been up all night. Took a bang, drank a bang, then uh, did all the meet and greets. We got out at about five thirty. I asked a friend to work an extended shift for me. So then I got home. I was supposed to be here by 10 to start my shift. I literally walked in the house at 9.57. So pretty much went straight to work. Then worked from 10 p.m. to 10 (laughs) a.m. Then I, you know, 10 a.m., I slept a few hours, got up, 
and this is where people call me stupid. I only get 18 weeks of football, so I didn't want to miss it. So I woke up about, I slept about four hours so I could watch me some of the afternoon football. And then uh, I took a nap before I had to be back at work. And then I worked from 7 p.m. last night to 7 a.m. this morning. And how was that football experience for you? This was literally, and this is what I was going to say. I'll say it's kind of a mixed bag. It was the shittiest week of football ever. Um, my Florida State Seminoles lost to Wake Forest and are 0 3 since the first time since 1976. I was not born in 1976, so I, I literally never experienced Florida State being 0 3. Just, it just never happened in my whole life as a Florida State fan. And these, it, it, it was a week for never happens. Fantasy football, I had been saying all week that I was going to put Derek Carr in instead of Jameis Winston. But I just told you how my schedule was. I never checked my fantasy league, so I never put him in. James Winston, all-time bad game. Pretty much what happens after someone throws a five-touchdown game, they generally come back to earth the next game. It's just statistics. Unless that person's Tom Brady. Yeah, it's, it's just statistics, right? No one, But literally, no one has ever thrown five touchdowns two games in a row. Just literally has never happened. So, uh I knew I should start Derek Carr. I didn't. James Winston, all-time bad game. The guy I was going to put in Derek Carr got 42 fantasy points, and I literally only lost my game because I didn't put Derek Carr in. All well. Then, Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, started, been with Kansas City starter for four years or three years, four years. He had never lost a game in September. He We had started 4-0 like five seasons in a row, right? Never lost a game in September. Never lost. Uh, never thrown an interception in September. He did both of those things. He threw an interception, and we were in control of the game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumbled, and we lost. So for my first time in my fandom as, I mean, Chiefs fan, you know, this is the first time Patrick Mahomes has lost the game in September. Literally a bunch of firsts happened this week, and it was just, yeah, it was super super shitty football weekend for me. So it's like, but a lot of good things happened, rough things happened. I got to spend time with a friend I hadn't spent time with alone. That was a good thing. So I'm just gonna I'm going to look at things proclivity for positivity. I'm just gonna call it a positive weekend. All right, and I'll move quickly through mine actually. Um when it comes to football, I'll wrap this up real quick. Uh I got my revenge um with my fantasy league that I should have won last week. I won by well over sixty points. And uh, thank you, Aaron Jones, for that. And um, in my other leagues, however, I did not win very well uh, because Dak Prescott had a bad game and I went up against Derrick Henry in one of the leagues, so that didn't go well. In all four of my fantasy leagues, including the one that I don't even pay attention to, I just signed up for an ESPN Plus uh, sweepstakes for it. I am one and one, so at least I'm on even playing fields with all of them. Uh, my Vikings blew another game that they should have won. I'm used to it at this point. It's infuriating, but I can't even bother with it. The Lions got dragged back to earth with the fact that they got beaten very bad by an angry Green Bay team. Uh, so the rebuild is going to continue to be hard on us for this first year. Hopefully, I'm already looking forward to like just some progress towards next year. Um, and I didn't go to a convention, but I did get recently shipped to me. I have a signed... Bad Habits single CD from Mr. Ed Sheeran. It is the first and only thing I currently have signed by him, and he's one of my favorite artists of all time. So having something signed by him is amazing. I also have 
when the album comes out, an Equals album signed by him as well coming. So I'm very excited for that. But that was my weekend for the most part. Uh, I'm going to see Shang-Chi tomorrow, too, so that'll be fun. But That, that movie's amazing, so I'm glad you will get to see it and enjoy it. Yeah, I'm seeing it with my sister, too, so that'll be fun. But we got a lot to talk about. Um, so we have Dynamite and Rampage, of course, to get through, which had some good moments and had some moments that we'll talk about, too. Um, and then, of course, we've got AEW Grand Slam to be getting. Yeah, we got to do our too. predictions, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited oh, about that. And holy shit this weekend, uh, this this week of uh, AEW for Grand Slam. We'll get to all that coming up next. But first, we got to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. It means the world to us if you do. You can leave a rating and a review. Let us know how we're doing. And if you're so inclined, you can leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. But the easiest way for you guys to support us is on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on twitter at social suplex are the guys that make this show possible and they also have a bunch of other great shows you should check out from their network so check those out i am at austin sumowitz s-z-u-m-o-w-i-c-z and floyd is at floyd johnson jr on twitter now of course the big news of the week is the countdown to aew grand slam which i think i'm fair because i think our preview will just be our predictions i think it's fair to just run through all the matches that have been announced for that show because we're just going to predict what's going to happen for the shows uh so i'm just going to run through all the matches because honest to god dude they just threw like as it was happening on dynamite and they were just running through everything i was like holy fucking shit like are you done yet uh, so we got MJF versus Brian Pillman on Dynamite. These are all on Dynamite. MJF versus Brian Pillman. FTR versus Darby Allen and Sting. Britt Baker, Ruby Soho, women's title match. Cody Rhodes returns for versus Malachi Black. Spoiler alert, I'm sorry. Brian Danielson gets a match against Kenny Omega. Not for the championship, but still, it's his first match in AEW. CM Punk will be interviewed. And moving to Rampage, Anna Jay will be facing Penelope Ford. CM Punk faces uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. Jericho teams with Jake Hager to face... Men of the Year. The Super Click teams up in a six-man tag match to face Christian and Jurassic Express. Lucha Bros and Proud and Powerful team to face Hella Hardy Family Office, Private Party, and Butcher and the Blade. And Lance Archer and, and Minoru Suzuki team up to face John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Jesus Christ. Like, this... Floyd tweeted this out. This is literally a pay-per-view card that they spread over two weeks at one... And on a dynamite and a rampage. So that alone is going to be insanity. Um, before we get into dynamite itself, Floyd, just when, when they were just throwing out all the matches, man, like you're, what was going through your mind? Just seeing all these matches just being thrown on free television. So hold on. First of all, don't call it free television. Cause I just got a cable bill and I paid it. It's not free, <laughs> not free at all. I'm always confused when people call it free. It may be included in what I pay for, but it's not free. So, uh, shout out to AEW because there is a group of uh, there is a thought process out there that once you sell out an arena, a lot of people will throttle down what was they had planned because you know we already sold the tickets. You know, there's nothing. They rewarded. They rewarded people for selling out Grand Slam or selling a lot of tickets. It's not sold out, but over 18,000 tickets sold. You know, it's as good as a sellout. They literally, it was sold out and then they added more tickets. So, 
mo- the a thing of wrestling thought is to hey, let's hold back. You know, they've already sold the tickets. No matter. These dudes said, you know what? We're going to absolutely reward you for doing this, for selling this many tickets. So they get this big ass show, and it's like for me, fucking dynamites. Dynamite's good enough. I mean, I get Cody, I get FTR, my favorite, against Sting, I get Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho, and then I get a dream match. You get Ryan Danielson versus Kenny Omega. Like, if you look at Dave, if you care about Dave Meltzer's fan vote that he does, you're talking about wrestler of the year, you know, technician of the year, you know, every year for like, if you look at the last 10 years, you see their names a lot. Just put it that way. And we get to see them wrestle. And it's going to be amazing. This is, it's, it's an A-plus card. A-plus card. Not even close. If anybody says, oh, it's like, I, I'm just saying you're just being a hater at this point. This is a pay-per-view card. They could, they could have, Put this on Saturday and charge forty nine ninety nine and got two hundred thousand buys easily. Yeah, no question about it. And you're getting this on cable. I I promise you, and this has nothing to do with any. I think they're going to get two million on that on Wednesday. I believe it. I think they're going to hit two million on Wednesday. And let's just say they go. To me, I think it's a given that they're going to break the first dynamite. I think it's going to be over the first dynamite, but yeah, 2 million is like, you know, it's that they're impossible. And it's just like, I want to tell everybody if they get 2 million, if you have cable and you watch it through a legal way, make sure you're watching the show because if they hit that number, you will get more shows like this. No question about it, man. And yeah, that it's going to be an insane night and we're going to get to our predictions for, uh, Grand Slam uh, after we cover this week's uh, AWTV shows. Um, so we'll get to that down the road in this podcast. Um, and also, I forgot to mention this in my week. Despite my Lions losing, I did put a $50 bet on TJ Hawkinson scoring a touchdown in the game that got boosted by FanDuel. So I made $250. So that's a good sign, too. Anyways, moving away from that, we go into AEW Dynamite first off. My boy, CM Punk. He was a special guest commentator for the show. He comes down and he does commentary, and he he's obviously done commentary for CFFC, so we know he can do that. And if his WWE tenure has shown us anything, he is good on commentary. Lest we forget, he spilled my diet soda. But kicking off the show was the in-ring AEW debut of Adam Cole, baby, facing off against the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian. And hell of a freaking singles match to start off with, too. Because, I mean, I have nothing but great things to say about Frankie. He's always been consistently good. I, honest to God, man, this Elite Hunter thing that he's been doing, I just really like considering of SCU splitting off with Scorpio being heel and CD being gone for a while. Um, I, I like what Frankie's been doing, and I think Frankie's just really freaking good. Um, this match was a great opener. You got some great opening wrestling, and it was a great opening singles match too. A lot of times with Dynamite, you'll tend to get a little bit more of like 
either tag team high flying like spot fest stuff or you'll get like a six man match or sometimes they kick things off. We actually got a singles match to start off Dynamite, which happens a good amount of times, but not as much as I personally would like. Um, and since it was the debut of Adam Cole, makes all the sense in the world. And we got a Panama Sunrise. It was awesome. Adam Cole got the win, uh, and it was just really freaking great. And it's it's just so I'm so excited. Adam Cole's in AEW. It's been I've been buzzing about it because I've gone back and watched a lot of his matches from NXT Takeover history, and I'm just like, dude, this guy's so fucking good. Still, I'm like, he's not even like in his prime yet i think and he's i mean he's still in he's still in his prime i would say actually and he's in aw and he's got so much talent to work with and it's just i'm overjoyed with it i i still love frankie i would like to see frankie um get like i don't know i want frankie to actually because i mean he does great stuff of like breaking things up with the elite but like i want him to actually get wins against members of the elite so that way he could be a little bit more i guess threatening to the elite because i guess it just seems like he's just their thorn in their side so i would like to see frankie be a little bit more intimidating i guess with the uh with like actual damage to the elite with him getting wins but that's just a i think that's more of a nitpick honestly but Still, after the match was over, Adam Cole gets on mic, does story time with Adam Cole, baby, and he's only been here for a short time, and there's already three people that have, that have gotten under his skin, Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy. So how about at Rampage Grand Slam, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks, Super Click reunites to face those three. So that was the announcement of this match, which alone was just like, God damn, what a match. So Floyd, going to you on this one. All right, so you stole my point. Uh, I, you, that's why we don't talk before the show. Um, yeah, I want Frankie to win. He's just it. I wouldn't call him a jobber because he's competitive in every match. It's not like he gets dominated, but he does lose like every time. So I really would like to see uh, him get a pick up a fan fall. Maybe it's Nick or Matt in a singles match, which they're not used to. I just want them to be more formidable. When it comes to fighting against the elite, this match is great. It, it's just a solid wrestling match. Frankie Kazarian drinks from the fountain of youth. I, I just, what I, I just like, I don't understand like why he's an almost booked better because he's so talented. You know what I mean? But I know there's a, you know, there's a hierarchy. Not everybody can win every match. So, sure, uh, yeah. but this was a very competitive talented match he made adam cole look like a god in his first match because he did i mean the crowd helped it out because this crowd was freaking hot but yeah uh yeah uh definitely definitely good match um i just i really liked it it was great debut for adam cole he didn't beat a nobody he beat someone with talent and we got to see the panama sunrise we got to see the last shot you know he hit all the notes yeah he did uh, we then had a short video package with the AEW Tag Team Champions Lucha Bros accepting a challenge for the titles from Butcher and Blade. So that would be on Rampage this Friday. So it will be in Rampage when we get to cover that. So, And then uh, we also had another match that was announced for Rampage, which was Tony Schiavone being backstage with Fuego Del Sol and Sammy Guevara. Fuego once again deciding to challenge the TNT Champion to a match. And Fuego, in order to get a shot at the TNT title, 
put his car on the line. And interesting tactic. I guess Miro likes ca- would be interested in taking away a car from uh, Fuego and just beating the living lights out of him again. Uh, Fuego, to me, this was a scrappy-do move. This is a scrappy-do move. Like, you got your ass kicked once. You got a contract. Are you hoping that you get your ass kicked again and then, like, what? Like, you find yourself, like, with $10,000 at your bedside the next morning? I don't know what you're trying to accomplish with this, but this is a mistake and a half. Uh, But regardless, this match was announced on Rampage 2. I want to be clear that in no one in the world, this is what happens when you treat your fans well. And you're going to get what I'm saying. If this was done somewhere else, people were like, it's so ridiculous. You know he's not actually losing his car. Oh, my God. Why are they doing this tired-ass trope? But in AEW, everybody bought in. Oh, my God. He's going to lose his car. Everyone knows he's not going to actually lose his car. But, oh, my God, they bought in because they treat you well. So you reward them by playing along. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everybody treated that match as, you know, you know, we're going to get to the match later, but everybody treated the stipulation like this is the most important thing. I saw messages like, uh, did, did you clear this with your wife? What is she going to think when you lose your car and all that kind of stuff? And, you know, Fuego's playing like, hey, you know, I'm going to have to win, you know, and it was just such a great moment and it's just such a different experience when you watch AEW as opposed to another program that there's this 100% buy-in from the fans that fans want to be a part of it yeah we're going to make it work you know we're going to make it work because there is going to be a payoff on this I mean I'm going to talk about another match where after we review the other match where I think this is leading because I think it's obvious but it's just like I said it's a different experience when you're on Twitter and you're on social media with other AEW fans it's a completely different experience uh, than when you're watching another program yeah Moving on, though, we had MJF, who caused a lot of stir on the previous episode of Dynamite, once again back in the ring uh, with Wardlow. He talks about crying Brian again, and he he lays into the, to the state of New Jersey, and he talks about to the viewers at home, like, I know uh, some of my comments last week might have offended you, and I just want you to know I don't care. So he continues to uh, go after Brian Pillman and uh, attack uh, his. Uh, he, he continues to attack Metheny, and uh, he also was like, "I'm gonna have a conversation with the uh, late great Brian Pillman." So he looks up and goes, "Mr. Brian, uh, who am I kidding?" Looks straight down and slams on the mat and goes, "Yo, Brian, get your ass up!" And just proceeds to say, "If you tell." You need to tell your son that if he shows up in that awful place known as Queens, I'm going to massacre him. This, I mean, like, he is, like, just... These last two weeks, he's been healing it up, like, nonstop. Like, this has been, like, heavy-duty heel stuff that uh, MJF's been doing, and it's been great. Um, He tries to finish off saying he's better than you, and you know it. Brian Pillman Jr. comes out, and he interrupts it, and uh, he jumps from behind... 
uh, him, like, coming down uh, with a steel chair, which MJF quickly runs away. And Pillman goes, uh, when I left that arena last week, you humiliated me because of what you said about my family. So next week, I'm going to get the chance to whip your ass. And he, he was interviewed by Jim Ross, and he said, like, you were fed by a silver spoon. I was fighting for my life. We are not the same. You're not stepping in the ring with any man on September 22nd at Arthur Ashe. You're stepping in the ring with a pillman. So great way to sell this match. Classic babyface versus heel singles match. Like pluck, plucky Brian Pillman Jr., varsity blonde himself versus the dickhead MJF. It just works. And it's I'm very excited for this match. MJF is on another level within everybody with promos. Like, I don't think there's anyone that cuts a passionate promo better than Eddie Kingston. I just think. But you he, mean MJF? No, no. I was saying a passionate promo better than other Eddie than, Kingston. Other than Eddie Kingston, yeah. Yes, like a passionate promo other than Eddie Kingston. Him and Cody are on their own level when it comes to passion. Then there's these fired up promos that you can get from John Moxley, like, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm just going through the different kinds. But MJF pure heel promo i would argue him and jay white are the only two like truly pure heels in wrestling like I can that, yeah. if you try to cheer them they are going to stop you right then <laughs> and say something so foul <laughs> that you can only help a boo and they're so good at being heel it has almost went to a level of respect in their hate so you're always going to boo them because you know what they're trying to do. But MJF in a heel promo, God level, God level. I'm talking the only people you can compare his MJF's heel promo ability with are all-time greats like Roddy Piper, like Brian Pillman, like Ric Flair. You have to go to that level because he is so good. He is a phenom when it comes to cutting promos. And it's just... When he destroyed it, he says stuff that, like, literally makes what Max Caster say look tame. But because he's so good and because he's such an artist, people know what he's doing and they just play along. And it's yeah. it, it's performance art at its best. And this man is an artiste. I love him. Uh, the Brian Pillman, because of the dark side of the ring. He has a lot of uh, energy behind him. He's kind of the perfect, like, kind of holdover opponent to make uh, MJF even look more heel. So I am really looking forward to this, and I thought this segment was kind of perfect. Yeah, it was honestly really, really good. We then had a backstage segment with Christian Cage and Jurassic Express accepting the challenge from Adam Cole. Um, which really amounted just the only thing that came from this that we need to really talk about is how Christian said, hey, we accept your th- your challenge, Adam. You're already used to losing the Wednesday Night Wars, so let's just add Friday to that. So, bam, on that note. Oh, oh his, fr- his friends dragged him out of developmental. He also said that, which that I thought was, well, yes. yeah, which I thought was fucking epic. Yeah, they, ooh. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, there was some, very personal promos this week. Yeah, we'll get to more of those two coming down the line. But we then had a tag match with Dante Martin and Matt Seidel, two high flyers versus FTR. So this match was another really good match. You got two high flyers. Now, they're not a team 
per se, but they are two high flyers that have a lot of skill, um, that have um, just had really good matches too. Um, FTR was going to walk all over them uh, in terms of tag team wrestling, but Dante Martin got height that I don't know how a human being can get in a wrestling match. Like he was literally, I love the photo of him just in the air and his head is cut off because he's so high that he's not even in frame. And they did really, they did really, really good. I know Matt Seidel is kind of just like people know who he is, but they don't really, I think the big thing with the Seidel's is just people don't really have an opinion on them necessarily. Um, and that's a shame because I think Matt Seidel is really good. And I think his brother is also great. Um, but they're, they're just, they're basically, uh, they're kind of like a baby face, like young bucks right now, but just with a little less character. So I think if they had a little bit more of a character-driven storyline, people could probably buy into them a little bit more. Dante, people just buy into because he's like done some insane shit. And people are a hundred percent just behind what he's been doing. Um, but yeah, Dax and Cash got the win on this match. Um, they pinned Dante actually, which was the surprise. I thought they were going to pin Matt, um, but it was another big win for FTR, continuing to build things up since Cash's uh, scare injury, but. It's your boys, Floyd. So, how are you feeling? FTR has been doing recently. <laughs> oh, I mean, they're the best tag team in the world, best tag team in the planet. Uh, and again, I will always say this: uh, I was born in 1981, so my idea of what tag team wrestling is is a little bit differently different than most people's idea of tag team wrestling. Uh, when you're a good heel tag team, uh, you know you got to do a lot of the simple things really, really well because you're not trying to get the crowd behind you, right? So you're not trying to, you know, do double drop kicks or doomsday devices or anything that pop the crowd. So you got to work the arm, work the leg, do suplexes, keep the, keep the good guys from doing anything exciting so you can build to their exciting spots. I don't think there's anybody better in the world F that than FTR. Like if you um if you talk about them you'll be like well their job you know you know you'll pull out their great matches and you'll be like well there's American Alpha and then there's a DIY and then uh, when they were in WWE and then there's the Young Bucks and uh, Adam Adam Page and uh, Kenny Omega and people will be like well you know the other people were the highlights of the match well you got to think about wrestling as a dance to a point uh. And when, and when you think about it as a dance, you got, you know, you only look good is if I make you look good, you know, and I think FTR is amazing at making the other teams look good. And it's going to be something that most fans are not going to look at. I think in this match with Dante and Matt Seidel for the time on their offense, they looked amazing until it was time to lose until it was time to get booed. And FTR did a wonderful job. And, you know, Martin is uh, a freakish athlete. He's a legit athlete that happens to be a professional wrestler. So, yeah, I think him and Mark Quinn, you know, they're on that level of athletic that it's just hard to even call what they do. He got so high on that that it was like, like, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's safe because, you know, people have to catch you and you're so high. And it was just, it was a great moment, great match. Uh, I just, like I said, I just, think FTRs are great. Yeah, no kidding. We then had a backstage segment with uh, Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki 
talking about uh, Moxley and Eddie Kingston and how you had everything going in your favor, Moxley, in Cincinnati, but it's in New York, so you and Eddie Kingston are going to find out what Strong Style is all about. Great way to sell that match. We then had Malachi Black come out. He was in the ring, and he goes, Members of the House of Black, please rise, for we have an enemy in our midst. And for some fucking reason, Rosario Dawson, off of the Go Big Show, was sitting in the front row with a nightmare jacket, and she was just completely staring down uh, Malachi Black, and she was just talking a whole bunch of shit and just like not backing down. And coming down from the ramp, coming down from the staircase, is the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. First off, Dustin, I need you to realize your brother values Rosario Dawson more than he values you, apparently. So, uh, sir, he was in a bubble in the Go Big Show when Dustin got beat up. Thank you. Sure, whatever, if whatever you want to say about that, but I mean. I don't know, man. I just, I'm just saying. No, I, I completely understand. But I was. Spade spade. I, I'm just saying we got to take all into consideration here, and you know, because you know who was at the show, Rosario, and you know what she's on also the Go Big Show. So if she's out the bubble, Cody's out the bubble, and that's how it works, you know. So whatever you, whatever you say. Anyways, yeah. the American and I'm just saying he, he also busted his brother open and, you know, got his blood all over him in the match. So they got yeah, a kind of a, fine with that, they have a strange relationship, sir. Weren't you, the one, <laughs> weren't you the one that said the one person that gets Cody to come back that gets beat up is Dustin? Yeah, but I forgot about Rosario Dawson. She's so hot. I think no one even remembered Rosario Dawson. She's so hot. You're not lying. Yeah. <laughs> like, good Lord. Uh, but regardless, Co- yes. uh, after, as Cody's coming down the steps to save him, uh, Rosario Dawson jumps on the back of uh, Malachi Black, which that's a move and a half to make. Then Cody immediately goes after uh, Malachi Black. They start fighting up the stands, and they just start beating the living shit out of each other, and they just kept fighting. Like Tony literally said, they're probably going to fight all the way to the Arthur Ashe Stadium, and that's just a really good line and yeah cody's back and he will be facing malachi black at arthur ash stadium for AEW dynamite yeah um this was a great great segment like not all time but great it was like battling through the crowd up the steps he came out of the crowd for some reason that made no sense but who cares i love it and he's all red because he's not he's not the the if you if you you looking at the symbolism, Aleister Black is still in black. Cody every time they had fought he had been in white, right? Yes. He's in red, right? Because he sees red, you know. And he changed his uh, Instagram and Twitter photo to just flames. This, so this is the fiery Cody. This is not that. Uh, white meat baby face root for me. I'm gonna kiss your babies. This is angry Cody. He's wearing the red because he has got this fire and he took it to Alistair Black. Like in every other, uh, you know, contact with them, Alistair cl- or Malachi. I keep calling him Alistair. Malachi Black clearly was like the dominant force. He ended up winning the battle, but this was even because Cody was so it was so much more fire. I just thought this was. 
you know, if you're just paying attention, you know, the nerds paying attention, this was something for the nerds uh, to see if you would notice that. And it was just, it was a great, it was great. I like the fight. I'm looking forward to the match Wednesday. Yeah, it's going to be really great. So Floyd's boy Cody is back, so we can we can celebrate with that. Moving on, Dan Lambert's here, and he has Junior Dos Santos, uh, Andrea Arlovsky, Paige Zan- Van Zant, and Kayla Harrison. Um, so all the types of MMA people, as well as the men of the year, cause he. So let's see, he calls the AW fans morons. He says he's like Bobby Heenan. Well, Punk said he's like Bobby Heenan if he wore a wardrobe full of affliction, which made me die of laughter. So thank you, Punk, for that great line. I I appreciate that. He um, just continues to run down the fans, but then Judas plays, and then uh, Dan just screamed for them to cut that shit off, which also I appreciate the Botchamania clip of how many times in this episode of Dynamite the word shit was said. <laughs> How many times was it? Let me go find the video because I know that he it was like well over 12. I think. Yeah, and let me say this. It was said so much, Chucky e. T then tweeted that he no longer cares about. It was a gimmick for like two years. He can't wait to get to say shit on TNT. But it was said so much, he says he no longer cares about saying shit on. It, yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been taken away, dude. Like it's just, it's he, it's been said too many times. So yeah, let's see. Uh a total of, I believe, 14 times. Yeah, 14 times. Shit, that's a lot. No, I'm just kidding. That's a shit, <laughs> that's a shit, shit ton. ton. It's, it's just crazy. I remember when shit, like it was a few years ago, it was like season three or four of uh, Suits that was a show in USA. And they kind of lifted the, lifted you know the kind of restriction on shit you could use it during prime time on net on a certain on cable TV, not network TV, but on cable TV. And suits was like literally they just like every other thing where you would cuss if you would say the f word or any other word they would use shit instead. So it made for a lot of awkward cussing, <laughs> you know, like but and, and that was the that was the person that that was the time that I realized I was like oh wow they must have lifted like kind of the embargo on shit but yeah AEW was like we got a show to sell next week Tony was like go for it if they find me I got it because they sold the shit out of that show with the word shit yeah very much so but so Dan Lambert talks about like I'm surprised you're defending these fans you'll do anything you can to get these dipshits to spend their allowance on your stupid Fozzy albums and um, Jericho does not uh, he's not scared uh, by a bunch of MMA people so he's been in fights with MMA people backstage like that reference so he's like why not how about me and Big Jake come down and knock those chipmunk teeth down your throat and he's like Lambert's like it's not gonna happen in this dump of a city if anything goes down it's gonna happen in the Big Apple so they announced Jericho and Hager versus Men of the Year so that was the announcement of this and it was a shit filled uh, segment but just not in the way that you think uh, Dan Lambert is excellent I mean he is an 80s manager living in 2021 he is the voice of Jim Cornette without you know just saying, hey, I'm just saying exactly what Jim Cornette was saying. He did it all. He was great. He's a heel. 
uh, I see so many people get this guy off my screen, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, there you go. They, I mean, he does it perfectly because that's what that's the reaction that you want. A hundred percent. We then had a singles match between Jade Cargill and legit Layla Hirsch. And Layla did a pretty good job in this match, I would say. Um, the, I think there might have been a couple spots that were a little bit, excuse me. We had a couple of little spots that might have been uh, able to be fair, fine-tuned a little bit better. Um, but I th- still think this was a good match. Um, Jade Cargill re- continues to be undefeated. Um, and Layla did well in this, I think. And it was a good like test, I think, for Jade to go a little bit longer with somebody. But in the end, uh, Jade would still get the win. And it was a solid match, I think. It was, fi- it was fine enough. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. Um, it showed that Jade is green. Uh, it showed that, you know, there's a lot of people pushing her to be world champion now. I'm thinking she needs about a year. I think she needs a couple of really good feuds where she works longer in the ring because this was the longest she's ever been in the ring. And you saw, you saw it. You know, you saw it yeah, in the sure. length of time that she was in the ring. I love Jade Cargill. I, I do. I think she is like can be the future of the wrestling business. I think she can take the women's division to the next level, but she has to be ready. And right now she's not ready, but it was a really it was a really solid match. She got a big win and we move on from there. But people kind of are impatient these days and it's just like, you know, you know, the best, you know, the best steaks are allowed to marinate and age for a while. You know, it takes patience to get a great steak. Wine takes patience with Jay Cargill. She's going to take him to the next level. But like those things, you're going to have to let her you're going to have to let it wait. You're going to have to let it age perfectly. Let her learn how to tell stories as a wrestler. Then. Uh, when you have that big moment, when you build to that big match, the spotlight won't be too big. There won't be botches, and it'll be perfect, and it'll do what you want to do, just like it did with Britt Baker. Britt Baker was the kind of the face of the women's division. She wasn't ready when AEW first launched to be that face. When she won the title at double or nothing, no one can tell me if there wasn't a big enough moment because they took their time. They waited and they built the perfect moment. They will do the same with Jade. All right. Well, moving on. It's my boy. It's CM Punk. He's at the commentating de- desk still. And uh, Taz rears his little head and uh, starts screaming at Punk, uh, saying, are you trying to take my job? Uh, which Punk's first response was seeing Taz was, oh, I didn't realize the troll got let under the bridge. Um, Punk was like, I'm not trying to take your job and just seize Hook. Starts staring down Hook and Taz, who's screaming, he gets out of his seat. And then coming from behind like a bat out of hell is Powerhouse Hobbs, who just completely steamrolls him. Hook then puts a dragon sleeper on him, and then they start beating up on Punk again. Then Powerhouse Hobbs takes Punk over to the broadcast table and power slams him. And yeah, it was uh, it was a nightmare. It wasn't even a power slam. He, tried, he literally... Um, uh no it was a power slam yeah and the table didn't even budge punk just completely went flat on that table and it just tilted backwards onto him and yeah that was uh punk has to kill powerhouse hops now so see oh 
um, the world seems to be falling slowly in love with a man they call Hook. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even in the video, the when they showed the punk versus, like, Hook has gear now. It looks like we're not too far away from Hook wrestling. What if Hook's first match is against CM Punk? That's a hell of a debut. That's a hell of a debut. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's making people feel some feelings. Uh, so... Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Hold on, just say it. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to Punk himself um, being in a match with Powerhouse Hobbs, who has done well, like, okay in AEW, but I think hasn't had, like, a moment that he could really fully shine. And I think a match against Punk will do a lot for Powerhouse Hobbs, I think. But... I think we can move on real quick. We had Darby Allen facing off against the chairman, Sean Spears, um, who has kind of a bit of a new taste on his entrance instead of just being in total silence with him sitting in his chair. It had like a little bit of like a whistle sound going along with it, and then his normal theme would start back up. Um, so, yeah, Darby Allen and Sean Spears uh, went one-on-one. These guys killed it. This was such a good match. Like, I love these two guys in general, and they just done so many great things. I love Sean Spears just grabbing a towel and just rubbing the paint off of Darby Allen's face. It's just such a great heel ta- tactic. Um, this is a really, really good match. Uh, Darby's leg was being worked on a ton by Sean. And um, it was a good um, little bit right there. Uh, Darby nearly got hit with the C4 on the ring steps, but he got out of it. And Darby proceeds to just crash into him, hit the coffin drop, get the win on Sean Spears. But then FTR, Pinnacle members, jump Sean Spears. I mean, jump Darby Allen. And then uh, Sting is also there, and he's getting brawled with, and he gets involved in it. Tully gets hit in the back of the head with a chair by Tully. I mean, Tully hits Sting in the back of the head with a chair. My apologies. Sting then uh, no-sells it, tries to go back after Tully, and then FTR comes after him, and then Tully grabs the towel, and he wipes Sting's face paint off. So this would set up the uh, match that was announced, uh, FTR versus Sting and Darby, which I'm so excited for. But I love this match. I thought this match was really good. I just love Sting and Darby. I mean, uh, Sean and Darby. I think they're both really good. And I, yeah, I really like this match. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Sean Spears has the best interest music for the somebody that's for someone Dude, that is. I love his theme. Booked at it. his level, like he's booked at a certain level, obviously, and. You know, some people hate him for it. Some people love him for it. But his music is a banger. Play it loud. And it is like, oh, my God, it hits so hard. It's such a cool entrance. And he has that little slow walk with it until he's strutting behind him. I I just think it's perfect. Um, Then we have, uh, you know, Darby and Sting. And Darby's just straight for it coming at you. And it was just, it's such, it was such a good, um, you know, contrast of styles. They work really, really well together. Again, I'm not going to do this toot Sean Spears horn again because by this time you should know how good this man is. Uh, the match was great. And then after the match, we get the horseman moment. Oh, God. The 1985 86 in my belly was bubbling up because Dax and Cash, aka Arn and Tully, 
they uh attacking Sting. I mean, this is literally yeah. my childhood. They're like having happening right now, and they take off the paint to show people, oh, they might come off as monsters, but they're just men. And it was just such a good uh good moment. My boys FTR being featured. I'm like, oh, we're gonna get FTR versus Sting and Darby. There's no way our FTR shouldn't win that match. I know we're not doing previews yet, but I will be pissed if that happens because they are the best tag team in the world um uh i do want to point out i didn't get to point this out earlier so i changed my name what did i you you remember i changed my name pretty much the day after bobby eaton died and i decided this was going to be my moniker going forward because i do change i had changed my twitter profile name a lot and i was told it's hard to keep up with so i'm at floyd johnson jr but you know my name on the top always goes so i changed it to ftr express you know hashtag ftr express midnight express ftr i put them together right thought that i was like man i'm being really really clever so uh we uh so you know it's been that i've uh, when I met them, I was FTR Express. They've liked, retweeted all st- all stuff under that name, right? So on Saturday night, I'm driving, I'm riding back from the thing, and what do I see? Is Dex posts a bunch of pictures of them, and they title the thing FTR Express. Eh? And I'm like. And then everybody's like going on and you know they're like tagging. I love that name, and I'm like, I had that name first. <laughs> yeah, I, I I should get a cut of royalties, right? I'm like, and they're like, oh, we're we gonna get an FTR Express shirt. I'm like, are we gonna get an FTR Express shirt? Because I'm <laughs> quite curious about that. I am quite curious because I like I know they have liked and retweeted me under this name. They know. You know, they might not know it's me, but they have seen it. You know what I mean? And it was like, I don't want anything. I absolutely don't want anything. If they just tagged me and say, hey, he created the name, I'd be like, I'd die. I'd die. Yeah, would, that's all just, the royalties you need. The show would, this show would be over because I would die. Like, that's a shame. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's what would happen if that happened. I just thought that was such a cool story because I was like, I, I remember coming up with it. Now, let me say this. They've been FTR a while. They're Big Night and Big Night Express fans. So to say they might not have thought of using the name FTR Express long before I came up with the name, come on. That's that's obvious. It's it's such it was such it was so obvious to me. They had to think of it long time before me. It was just I kinda used it first. So like I said, it would just be cool. Hey, shout out a nod, you know, the homie nod, whatever. You know, that's our that's our guy. I, of course, got some awesome pictures with him. So I don't really need anything, but it was just cool that they used it. And then it was like everybody was popping for it. And I'm like, hey, I kind of came up with that. But I really, like I said, there's no way to know if they had not thought of it before. It's really, really obvious. I am basically saying that, but I just loved it. I loved it. It was that moment. Yeah, because Jr.'s name is FTR Express too. He has member of the FTR Express on his name. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that was pretty awesome. It was a pretty cool moment. We then had the in an in ring interview with the American Dragon Brian Danielson before he could even say much. Don Callis and Kenny Omega come out, which Kenny was 
um, had his had a had a white shirt of his own, um, and he had his shirt like he was biting the bottom of his shirt and had it lifted above, so he was showing his abs, and it was just the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. Don Callis called Brian Danielson the hippie millionaire, a sanctimous son of a bitch, and man, it's like. Oh, it must have been a difficult decision to join AEW for you, the company that was built on the back of Kenny Omega, and it was just because he wanted to help the industry, but people call me a carny son of a bitch. Kenny told me that he knows how you think, and you really believe this, so it just makes you a mark, and Don Callis immediately gets shut up by Brian Danielson, calls him a piece of shit, and... uh Someday this will be about the world title, but right now let's just see who's better. Let's give the people the dream match: Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. And I didn't want to talk to this Kenny Omega. I wanted to fight the best bout machine, the God of Pro Wrestling. This guy is a guy who hangs out with a bunch of stooges who lets guys talk for him. So the rumors are you've lost your confidence, you've lost a step, and I think you've just lost your ball. So yes or no, Kenny goes you want to fight best bout machine you want to fight god of pro wrestling my answer is yes and we get that next week on dynamite grand slam fucking yes the first match we get to see with daniel with brian danielson in aew is against kenny omega it's like and it's not even for the championship so we're gonna get the championship bout down the road but we get to see kenny omega versus brian danielson like Come the fuck on, man. Like, this is just so great. I it can't nothing bad to say about this segment. I mean, there is nothing bad to say about the segment. It's like, give the people what they want here. You know, even if you didn't know you wanted it, there you go. You still got it. It's, yep. there is, like, like I, I, if anybody has something negative to say about getting this, I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's I just don't know like, what do, will please you? You're like, do you not just not like wrestling? I mean, I mean, it's cool if you don't, but you know, this is, this is it. This is I, it. I, it's like we love re- we love wrestling, and we're eating here right know, now. We're d- eating tonight, dude. Dude, he like I j- agreed to work for my friend this week, and now that this is happening, it's like the worst decision of my life. Because I'm like, even if I can't be there, I wanted to be like off work so I could just focus on the show. So I have to kind of watch the show. And focus on it, not focus on it, but man, like this is Wednesday is going to be amazing. They could have gave us five filler matches, five basically AEW dark matches, and then this match, it would still be an A plus show. No kidding, no kidding. <laughs> but we'll get to the main event of Dynamite right now. It's Eddie Kingston and John Moxley versus 2.0, Matt Lee and Jeff Parker. First off. I have to say, and I will I will only just say this real quick before we get into the match. I, I made a joke uh, a while ago uh, with the debut of NXT 2.0, which, there we go. It was the first episode of the new branding. I'm um, excited to see at least what comes of it. I will not say anything more on the matter. But I made a joke saying, sorry, but the only 2.0 I care about at this point was Matt Lee and Jeff Parker. And I tweeted out the picture of them being all elite. And I got some marks mad. So, sorry. sorry it, it, it was amusing because it's so funny that it's, I, it's how Twitter works. And I'll never understand this logic. 
someone says something you don't like, right? So I'm going to comment, retweet, so everybody that I know sees that you said something I don't like. Do you know what I do when I see something I don't like on Twitter? Keep scrolling. Yeah, because I'm not going to signal boost it. And it's just like, I saw it. Now, like, I saw what you said. I thought it was hilarious. It was like, it was obviously just a joke to, you know, use the name 2.0. And it's just like, some people take social media way too seriously. Oh, my God. It was just, yeah. I know somebody commented on the tweet, too. It's like, wow, those losers actually have a fan. And I literally just left it alone because I was just like, you're trying to work yourself into a shoot, brother. Like, hey, what are we doing hey, here? He wants a piece. He wants a piece, as they would say. You want a piece? Yeah. Now, let me just let you know. You want a taste? You want a taste? 2.0 went from never like getting a title shot, barely being used on NXT, to being the most legitimate world champions in professional wrestling. They are the BTE world champions. Okay, the most legitimate title in professional wrestling. They own it already. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And, I, and if you don't think they have tag team titles in their, sh- in their site, you'd be lying to yourself. They are incredibly entertaining men that I did not understand. And, and this will be the first time and the last time I say the company's name. I thought they were built for the WWE. Just that video that came out from FanFest when the one kid was trying to swing on uh I can't remember if it was Matt or Jeff. It was he was trying to get both in one shot. And they were just literally like calling for security and being like, This kid's crazy, man. I like him. You wanna join two point or you no, you're probably a fan of Darby Allen or something, right? That's yeah. like just perfectly do, like playing along with this kid like keeping them keeping it alive for him and this they were in full character and they were doing great and like the, the, and yeah, yeah this, this is, is like the perfect guy you'd want i mean this is a this is a wwe tag team you put them with a lower heel and they're kind of his goons that get beat up you could put them with randy orton and you know they just take the beating for randy orton and then they do funny stuff in the back i was just like how are these dudes not used they are fucking hilarious and it's like every segment they're in no matter how much of a bs segment or how much you're going to beat them up they entertain in their spot and it's just like how could a company not use them i'm not saying they needed to be your tag team champions i'm just saying shit you could have used them in the 24 7 thing to make people laugh i just don't understand how people this entertaining at were available yeah, I mean that's it. But uh, to all the marks that got upset at my tweet, man, like yeah, yeah we still love you. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. Yeah. Like, it's all good. I forgive you. <laughs> but this match between Eddie Kingston and John Moxley versus Two was a nice, solid way to finishing off the show. It was a nice tag match between two guys that people absolutely love and Two who has been steadily growing themselves in AEW and has done great work. And this was really, really good. Um, Kingston and Moxley would get the win. Uh, Suzuki's music comes out and it hits. And um, yeah, the they did make sure they addressed the Suzuki incident. So let's not be afraid of that. Let's let's be very clear. Like Punk addressed it on the show, and the rest of the company addressed it. It was it was it was addressed. It was a canon. It's canon now. It's canon now. Yeah. The reason. That Suzuki and Archer are wrestling Moxley and Kingston 
at New York. They were disrespected. Because of the Suzuki incident. A literally a mishap led they built it into a match. That is what this company does. Come on. It's so good. It's so good. Like it literally trended on Twitter and people and the company saw it and they went along with it. It was just great. So they come out and uh Moxley and Archer uh pull each other out like as Suzuki comes in. They 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 immediately come out and then they just start fighting in the crowd again. Moxley and Suzuki and Kingston and uh and Archer. So we teased for that match and this was the closing moment of AEW Dynamite. And it was a hell of a show. It was really good. And we like it it, it like just the fact of everything that we got announced for next week for uh uh Grand Slam was this, just like it, it, this was this was an epic go home show for yeah, the next for, dynamite. For what would be basically <laughs> a, a pay per view level dynamite and rampage. Yes, yes, absolutely. But we'll move on now to AEW Rampage for the week. Uh, we had Ricky Starks actually on commentary with uh, Jericho, Excalibur, and Taz. Uh, thought that was an interesting little thing. Uh, and he did fine enough, I think. Um, but we kicked things off with the AEW Tag Team Championship match between the Lucha Brothers and the Butcher and the Blade. This is a really good match. I think Butcher and Blade do really great heel tag team wrestling stuff. The Lucha Bros are so good, and they just they fit so well with those tag titles around their waist. And this was a good match for them to have as their first defense, having Butcher and Blade return and try to get the tag team championships in their first match back I think is really cool. Um, and it's a nice little uh, Hardy Family Office like high spot for them to be in. Uh, but Lucha Bros would retain in a really strong matchup. Um, after the match was over, uh, Private Party comes down and jumps uh, the Lucha Bros as well as other members of the Hardy Family Office. But then uh, Santana and Ortiz come down for the save for Penta and Phoenix, which I thought was actually really cool of how these two who have had matches and have had a rivalry that has lasted a very very long time uh were actually uh had a bit of a truce it seems like so this was a nice little moment uh but yeah great way to kick off AEW rampage in this match yeah i i have talked about uh proud of uh, santana ortiz proud and powerful whatever you want to call them not being positioned in the championship pitcher and how you know that's bad and then the lucha bros won the titles and you know my eyes, you know, start seeing stars and with excitement. I got delirious. And then they came down to the ring. And if you know basic wrestling storytelling, you know how this team, how this alliance ends. Not well. <laughs> Not well. <laughs> Not well. And hopefully at full gear in a fight. Yeah. And then we get to see this rivalry reignited and it's going to be awesome. But we then had Anna Jay coming down with Ty Conti facing off against the Bunny in singles competition. And this was also a good match. Um, Anna Jay being back, I think, has been great. And having her really try and uh, get some wins uh, to, I would think, build her up for a women's title match eventually is good. She's the one person in the Dark Order that, like, people are really, like, all members are just trying to, like, appease despite the whole falling apart. And uh, having Tay Conti by her side is also great. And um, I also do enjoy Penelope Ford being aligned with uh, with the Bunny. I think is a really nice uh, pairing. 
And um, uh, Penelope Ford uh, was going to uh, uh, get involved, but Tay Conti gets pulled down, and uh, the uh, at uh, uh, the bunny was going to use uh, the brass knuckles. Um, actually, no, Penelope Ford was going to use that after the match. She gets rolled up and then pinned by Anna. After the match, Penelope Ford was going to use the pair of brass knuckles, on, and she used it on Tay Conti and Anna Jay. So they got the last laugh in this one. But this was a good, nice follow-up match. Um, I think it's good to get Anna Jay more time on uh, the show because I think they're really trying to grab her wins and get her some more wins under her belt. And I like uh, I like Allie and the Bunny as a heel. I think they do really good. And having Penelope Ford involved with it too, actually, I think is a nice is a nice pairing. So this was good. This was good. Oh uh, yeah, this was uh, really good and. 99, a.k.a. Anna Jay. I Like I said, I know they're probably going to do something different, but I want her to be in the Dark Order. But they seem to be revving back up into the kind of the women coupling up. Maybe we're getting ready for another tag team tournament. Maybe it could happen on the boat. Maybe it could, you know, just something for Dynamite. It looks like they're kind of pairing up. So I, I've always liked TJ as a, a team, even though they were just kind of put together uh, for the last tournament. And the bunny and Allie, neither, I mean, I mean the bunny and um, what? Damn it, uh, Penelope. Uh, you know, both blonde thing. They got that going on. It's a nice little feud to go, uh, move forward. Both groups forward, and it looks like Anna might be coming out as the star. So I, I, I love this whole segment. I loved what they got planning for them because you know, I always say wrestling. It's not about the main storyline going on. It's about everything else. Why am I continuing to watch other than the main storyline? This is a great undercard storyline. Yeah. And then we then had uh, Matt Hardy and Jack Evans from Hardy Family Office. So we had three segments in a row with Hardy Family Office uh, involved. And Matt was very mad because of the fact that uh, his team was 0-2 today. But he was like, you know what? I'm having the last laugh because there's a fan that's dressed up as Orange Cassidy He's pissing me off, so he proceeds to grab the fan, bring him over the barricade, slam him into the ring, and start shaving his head with Jack Evans pulling out a pair of trimmers. Orange Cassidy comes out, and they clear the ring, and uh, Matt Hardy really wants to shave Orange Cassidy's head. And also, OC, you probably could have come a little bit faster to help that fan's hair. You really kind of fucked him over by not showing up a little bit faster. Yeah, he walked very, very, very slow. Uh, but I guess him running uh, kind of goes against who he is as a person. So I don't know. That was, that was just like. Plus, he I, doesn't I, know that guy. Yeah, that was my thought process. It's like maybe he needed a haircut. Maybe it was just time, you know? And Orange Cassidy. His wife like, really was just like, like, dude, get this guy a haircut. Like, just any way you can get him a haircut, dude, just do it now. Do it now. Yeah. His I, hair is nappy and it smells. Yes, that is, yeah, that's, hey, I would not be shocked if that's how it went down. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I got, I think the segment's fine. It teases the match with OC and Matt Hardy where Orange Cassidy's hair is going to be on the line, and this will be the nice, I think, closer for this feud between Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy. Yeah, it, it's definitely, I am looking forward to how they do, uh, like, a hair versus hair match, and I just think that's it's it's just such a big moment. It's not really done a lot, so I kind of want to see where it leads to. Yes, 
We then had probably the the top moment of the show, which was the face-off between AEW World Women's Champion uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Ruby Soho. First off, Britt Baker was like, hey, Ruby, welcome to some TV time. And... They uh, they go back and forth and like how many times uh, Ruby have you changed your name in the last year? You are so desperately trying to fit in, but here everyone knows who I am. Ruby responds, "Of course they know, because you shove it down their throats." And I know you're not accustomed to being told that you're wrong, but you're wrong. I know who I am. I haven't had the freedom to prove it. Shot, but he's just, he's like, "All right, Britt, let's talk about you." On the surface, you're just like every broad that I've stepped in the ring with, entitled, self-centered, and banging some dude in the back. Another shot. And it turns out you're just that. But I'm just trying to figure out if there's anything more to Britt Baker. And Britt Baker responds like, why are you lying to everyone, including yourself? You actually have the audacity to call yourself the runaway. You didn't run away from anything. You got fired. And Ruby was like, yeah. And it was the best damn thing that happened to me because it brought me here to AEW, looking to you at you. And he's like, like snapping, he's like over here, look at, look, look right at me. And I know you want it's. I want you to look into my eyes, but it probably must be hard because your head's so far up Tony Khan's ass. And she goes, call yourself all these nicknames, but next week at Dynamite, I'm gonna beat your ass in New York City, take your title, and the one thing you won't be able to call yourself is AEW Women's Champion. Britt tries to hit her with the belt, doesn't work, dodges it, and yeah, that was the end of the segment. <laughs> um, this took, yeah, I'd say a lukewarm, warm feud, a warm feud. Let's call it a warm feud, and turned it scorching hot. Like, yes. I wouldn't say, like, um, it was casually into it. I was like, oh, this is a good first feud for with Ruby getting in. You know, she's gonna, you know. You know, as we look forward and past this, but good lord, this was some barbs, and this was like, I think like one of the first really good women's promo sessions in AEW. Like, like this segment was like it stood on its own, and it made them featured. It worked in every way it was supposed to. Yeah, I absolutely love this segment. Um, I will, I will kind of like present present a different uh side because i saw this going around a little bit and i want to get floyd's thoughts on this because i saw some people who did not like this segment uh talking about how oh look we have a women's promo where where one of the big jabs is like oh you're fucking some dude so bringing it back to a guy being a center and then also someone said that this promo and this back and forth had so much insider lingo that like people are not going to know what the hell is going on um so i'll go to floyd and i'll i'll say my thoughts on it too but i just I, wanted to pre- present those things i think that's kind of a sexist thought because i remember like you know i think adam cole i think someone said on nxt that he wasn't as over as his girlfriend and no one said anything so yeah. is it so is it so is it just not okay for women but it's okay for men? That's it. No, no 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 I'm just saying I've I've heard it and they, you know I've heard this before and it's just like everybody's dating everybody you know they you know she's dating him you know and people are dating and it's like if you can't 
use real life, you know, people are going to say it's fake. And if you use real life, oh, that's too low. And it's just like, I don't, I mean, it almost feels like you're damned if you do or damned if you don't. It's like, so I'm just saying, go out and try to entertain. I mean, Ruby, Jabru Baker is nuclear hot. I mean, DMD is probably one of the most over things in AEW, right? She's super hot. Ruby's the new person that came in that had just gotten fired. She has to even the conversation in some way. I just find it as good storytelling. But yeah, and she got yeah. a great reaction. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's just like it's just like what else does she say to a person that's literally been undefeated since and now you can't count the Thunder Rosa match because that was unsanctioned. So she's been undefeated for like a year. What do you say to that person? You try to lower them in another way. And I think men would do the same thing. You know what I mean? So it's just like, stop trying so hard out there. <laughs> stop. Like, but uh, I, I, someone, uh, someone uh, tweeted out that you can watch wrestling. And if you want to find a problem with the show, you can. No matter whatever show you're watching, you can find a problem. And if you want to focus on what's good, you can. It's all just wrestling. And I just think that is the perfect response to this. If you want to have a problem with what she said, you can. Go for it. I mean, I can't tell you. I don't I don't share your experiences. So maybe I'm less sensitive to it than another person would be. So I, 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 I leave that out there. But... I just choose to say it was a killer promo with some good old jabs. I mean, MJF called called uh, the chick Methany, and I believe she really did have a drug problem in real life. People kind of yeah. shrugged the shoulder and moved on. So, does it only work one way? Yeah, I I just I I, I wanted to bring those thoughts up just to put them out there. I still think this segment killed i think ruby's like so finding herself in aew and i think she's got such a bright future in this company Britt baker is still on top of the women's division just taking shots and doing great stuff um yeah this feud is just ignited into a thing that people really want to see from like yeah it's going to be cool to see that they want to see this match (laughs) every feud is better when it's personal yeah and again like the conversation of just like, oh, it's so much insider knowledge that people aren't going to know what's going on. I was like, bro, it's like everyone at this point has insider knowledge at least a little bit. And like they already know it's not real. So like saying like, oh, she got TV time. Like people know what the fuck that means. And oh, she was in developmental uh, or whatever. Saying these lines like people have an idea of what you're talking about to begin with. It's like, sure, they may not get the immediate joke because they're not like in the weeds of everything like most fans. Yeah. But like. Even fans that think they know everything don't know as much as they say they do. So yeah, and like, Adam Adam Cole brought it up first with the Tony Schiavone thing. Yeah, this this is common knowledge at the point that the two people are dating. She does his moves. He does her moves. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been talked about before. So yeah, it's <laughs> like if like no wrestling show is perfect. And like Floyd said, if you want to complain about something, you can. You can find something to complain about. It's whether or not you let the positives outweigh the negatives. In some shows, negatives outweigh positives, and that's why you don't watch. But if yeah. a show outweighs positive over negative, you have a tendency to just like see the negatives and be like, sure, that can be an issue, but like everything else has just been way too good. Yeah, I was just uh, I was like saw somebody was telling it was an article, the problems with AEW and for 
uh, just shits and giggles. I clicked on it, right? And they had legitimate problems, and I would say legitimate thoughts. I had never even considered any of them. Like, too many people doing the same moves and all that stuff. And I'm just like, you know, and, and just using real sports analogies, right? Everybody does a fadeaway, right? Like, a fadeaway in basketball, right? But yep. there's a difference between Michael Jordan's fadeaway and LeBron James's fadeaway, right? Yeah. Or Tim Hardaway's crossover and Allen Iverson's crossover. They're both doing crossovers, but they're they're different. And Aaron Rodgers throws the best back shoulder ball in the NFL. Do other quarterbacks throw a back shoulder ball? Yes. But Aaron Rodgers throws the best. So, yes, everybody throws a super kick. But the Young Bucks super kicks are better than everybody else's. You know what I mean? Everybody mm-hmm. throws a Canadian destroyer, but Petey Williams' Canadian destroyer is better than everybody else's. Everybody else does a cutter, but Randy's RKO is the most dangerous move in professional wrestling. And I think anybody with a modicum of intelligence can say, they can say, you know, the difference in effect between one person doing it and another person doing it. So I'm just like, yeah, and in my brain, it fixed that way. But some people, other people's like, they don't see it that way. So I'm just, the, the point is, you can find a problem or not find a problem if you want to. A and AEW is, to me, like 90% enjoyable. There are probably 10% of things I don't like. But I don't focus on that because, you know, 90% is an A, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's really it. Main event time, though, for AEW Rampage. It's the TNT title match between the champion, the redeemer, Miro, versus Fuego del Sol. Fuego's car is on the line. Uh, this was another good match. I mean, it's a rematch of a match that we've already seen. Uh, we've seen Miro and Fuego go after each other for the TNT title. And it was good. I, I think it was a nice, fine way to cap off the show. Does kind of take away from it a little bit uh, because we've already seen this match before. But it's I, I didn't have an issue with it. It was still good. Fuego is still entertaining as hell. Miro is still an incredible TNT champion. Um Honestly, the only thing that really like got me like crazy hyped because um, I enjoyed this and it was good, but like I'd seen it before, so I had a little bit less attachment to it. Thing that got me uh, hyped was that when T when Mira won the title and uh, proceeded to take the keys to the car, uh, uh, Fuego's car, and shove them in his mouth and then put him in the game over f- submission again. Uh, the Spanish God Sammy Guevara runs down and and saves his friend. And then hoist up the TNT Championship. For the love of God, get that title on Sammy. Like I want it so fucking bad. And it, it, and you you gotta man, this shows you so much. Uh, there's so many things I can go. Fuego's a new now a member of the roster. Miro gave him a lot in this match. This oh match God, was yeah. damn near 50-50. And then Fuego makes the key mistake and Miro beats him. And then he attacks him after the match. And, of course, which is established canon, Fuego and Sammy G, best friends. So then Sammy G comes out there and walks. And then he happens to see the title. So you're going into the next feud. That's one thing. Second thing, inner circle. Uh, uh, Sammy... And Sammy and uh, Santana and Ortiz have basically been having Jericho's back for like the last two years. And Jericho's been featured. Who's starting to be featured now? This is why they were with Jericho. 
Jericho was giving them a rub. Jericho was getting to people to where they see them as main eventers, as larger than life. And now Jericho's gone on a, you know, a side quest with, uh, to use a video game term, a side quest with the men of the year and America's top team. And now it's time for Sammy and Ortiz and Santana to be featured in the title picture with Santana and Ortiz. Looks like they're eventually going after the tag belts. And Sammy Guevara at the end of the night holding the TNT belt in his hand. So it looks like we're going to Sammy G versus Miro. I don't know when they're going back to Texas, but I feel like this match has to happen in Texas. Now, it might happen in full gear or it might happen somewhere else, but I just think they're so good at picking the right time for matches to happen. This is just me nodding AEW, telling them how great they are once again. They're so good at picking the right time. Like, Britt's right time was double or nothing. Sammy's right time. Sammy is a god in Texas. So it's just like, it seems like that's where the bell has to change. I don't even know if they're scheduled to go to Texas again, but that would just be epic. Yeah, I that's. I think it being in Texas would be huge, but um, I mean this with a hundred percent certain like sincerity. I think Sammy Guevara is so good, and he's done such great stuff in the Inner Circle versus Pinnacle feuds. He's done great stuff with his little feud against MJF. I've I've loved what Sammy's been doing. He's grown. He grew from like when AEW started. Like I kind of saw him as like like the whole panda gimmick I didn't understand and like just his he was I just the, felt like there wasn't there wasn't there was some missing thing to him. He was the, the pin eater for the inner circle. Yeah. I know he was the pin eater at that point in time. Yeah. And I like I knew that he would he would get there to being like uh, a popular star, but I didn't think I would have such a big like connection to like really liking Sammy. And I think um, him moving away from like when he had to leave Jericho and the inner circle because of what MJF was doing. I thought that was great. Um, I just loved his matches that he had uh, against Sean Spears. Uh, just every, every time I saw him, I liked him more and more and more. And like him as TNT champion, I think would be fucking great. So like, I don't know if they'll go with this, honestly. Miro's been such a great dominant champion that I don't know if they'll have Sammy be the one that takes him down. I could firmly believe that he wouldn't be the guy to take him down. But just seeing him hold that title, man, I want it so bad in my life. So I'm I'm hoping it happens, but I'm I'm keeping my expectations in check though. But Sammy is a is a fucking man and I really, really hope it comes through. But that was AEW Rampage and that whole week of Rampage and Dynamite, which was a really great week of AEW wrestling, um, or just all elite wrestling, since AEW wrestling wrestling would like the I'm I'm saying the thing same thing twice. Regardless, moving on, that was a really great week of of all elite wrestling, but we have this Grand Slam week that we have to get to. So, so we're gonna. This we're is our predictions. Get- so I'm just gonna let yes. you know I have not read forward. I've never I don't subscribe to any insiders other than Dave's Meltzer, but he hasn't really said anything. And so I subscribe to none of it. So this is me just giving you my guesses. This is not a spoiler in any way. I'm guessing. And if you've listened to the show, you know some of my guesses are fucking outrageous. That's what you're about to get. So let's go. <laughs> All right. 
MJF versus Brian Pillman first on the Dynamite side. I will go with Brian Pillman Jr. This is I think I don't think this will be a long feud. I think this feud should shouldn't be too long because I think MJF can do a lot more um, outside of this. I think MJF turned the heat on this feud instantaneously just by starting it. And I think Brian Pillman getting the win is the right move on, on this on this part. Um, so Brian Pillman Jr. I think goes up on MJF. They do a great job in AEW of booking to your slotting. MJF is basically a main eventer as far as the slotting. He does not lose very often. He just lost to Jericho. He cannot lose this feud. So I think he beats Brian Pillman Jr. All right, all right. Uh, FTR versus Darby Allen and Sting. Now, Darby Allen and Sting together have been like really freaking good. FTR, though, building up a little bit of steam, but is still not considered to be like uh well not, not even that they're not considered to be tag team material champion material because they have been and they are um but i i think i'm gonna go with alan and sting on this one just because i think um th- that team is just way too i don't know i think there's just way too much stock in uh darby out and darby out and sting i don't know why i just i just have a feeling for it i feel like this is leading to something bigger i truly do i think bigger in a few more people or whatever maybe sting and darby bring someone else in i don't know but i think sean spears interferes and ftr wins all right and that's only reason is to extend a feud i think this is going to be a longer feud that ends at full gear in some way all right we then have uh ruby soho versus Britt baker for the aw women's world title um, it's Ruby Soho's first match. Even though I think it's a wild move, I think they give it to Ruby. This is a se- her second match, actually, because she that's did lot, wrestle yeah, true, yeah. Jamie Hayter. She uh, did do Jamie Hayter, yeah. Yes, but matches in New York. Her last name, Soho. I'm going to go with Britt Baker. She's the hottest female wrestler in the world right now. It's, I think, booking malpractice to take the belt off Britt Baker right now. Yeah, it's I. That's the one I feel the least confident in. But I just, I just have Ruby no. Soho. But yeah, because she's Ruby Soho, Soho, New York. It all fits. It's a great win. But no, I even can see it being some kind of crappy finish where it extends the feud. Now, and I, and that's my WWE brain. I'll tell you that right there. That's how I would do it. But I don't know. Britt Baker's so hot right now with the DMD thing. I just think it would be extinguishing it too early. And that's a perfectly great point, and I think that's probably the best point you can make. I think I'm just going with the upset of Ruby Soho in this one. Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. It's Cody. He's getting his win back. Okay. So based on my conversation in person with Stephen Amell, I think Stephen Amell turns on Cody. And Malachi Black wins, leading to a built-up feud of Stephen Amell versus Cody Rhodes at full gear. So there's I am picking craziness right there. Yeah, I am picking Malachi Black to win, so he can move on from this feud with Cody, and Cody will go into a feud with Stephen Amell, who will be playing a heel, which is what he plays on his TV show, Synergy. All right. Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega singles match. How is that going to go? I say Brian Danielson because it's not for the title. It's his first match in AEW. Ah, uh, yes. Brian Danielson beats Kenny Omega first you, match in. 
I'm calling a draw. I'm calling a time limit draw. Uh, six, like a 30-minute draw? Or it's going to be 20 minutes because it's not for the title. And the standard, you know, match, uh, in, the standard match in AEW is 20 minutes. I'm calling a draw. God damn, that would be huge, actually. I would love that if that, that builds, happens. That builds the invitation. With these two, I wouldn't give a clear winner unless you're paying for it on pay-per-view. Yeah, and Brian Danielson would be the kind of person that would want to do like a draw like that. Um, yeah, 20-minute draw, best wrestlers in the world, and they tie. And that builds to Kenny Omega not being accept, able to accept that he couldn't beat Brian Danielson and maybe getting a title match he, later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the CM Punk interview will be the best part of the show. Okay. Anna J, Penelope Ford, kicking over things over to Rampage. I think Anna, Anna J is still really building up ahead of steam. So Anna J, I think, will get the win. I agree. Anna J. All right, CM Punk versus Will Hobbs, Powerhouse Hobbs. I'm not voting against CM Punk. You can't make me vote against CM Punk, so I pick CM Punk. Now, see, I mean, it would be a nice feather in a hat for Hobbs, and I think it should definitely be a competitive match where he looks really, really strong. But CM Punk is your biggest figure. It's like when Jericho first started AEW. He can't lose now. He just can't. It's just, like I said, it's... There's too much money in CM Punk for him to lose right now. A hundred percent. Jericho and Jake Hager versus the men of the year. I really, really need the men of the year to win this match. Like, absolutely need the men of the year to win this match. I mean, if they don't win, you might as well just get rid Wrap of up. the... Yeah, the, just yeah. like throw Dan Camber- Campbell in the trash bag and then just toss him out yeah. to the side it, of the road. Yeah. Because then you've just wasted all of his talking that he just played out there for you. No, and I, I imagine somebody from America's Top Team uh, gets involved. I don't know if anybody who can get physical because a lot of them are under contract. But I there is going to be someone getting physical to help men of the year win. But you've been building them up for, what, four or five weeks now with the Daniel Lambert. If they lose their first match... Just get rid of them. Just there's no reason for Dan Lambert to show up next week. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Super Click versus Christian in Jurassic Express. It's going to be the Super Click. Uh, Young Bucks lost their titles, and Adam Cole is still like unbelievably huge in AEW. So you don't want to take that away too much. I would give this to the Super Click. I have been hearing rumors of a six-man tag title coming down the path. Who would make a better first six-man tag champions than the Super Click? Adam Cole, baby. So, now, yeah, I, I think they win, definitely. All right. Lucha Bros and Proud and Powerful versus the Hardy Family Office, Butcher and Blade, and Private Party. I say Hardy Family Office because I don't think Proud and Powerful is going to be able to not work the best with the Lucha Bros. I'm going, I, I, just, I'm going, I just don't think so. I'm going Hardy Family Office, and I think they're going to just do the whole – old school miscommunication and that's what's gonna cause them to lose suzuki and archer versus john moxley and eddie kingston i want suzuki and archer to win this match so i'm just gonna pick suzuki and archer i just want them to win all right so where is the show the show's in queens and who's i know who's in i know who's from new york (laughs) if this does again Booking malpractice I, if Eddie Kingston. I, yeah, but I said Ruby Soho. I'm turning back on my argument because I want Suzuki to win. That's just it. So, like, I make no sense with my predictions, too. Yes. Booking malpractice if Lance Archer doesn't take the backhand and Eddie Kingston gets the pin. It's just 
that's how it has to go. Yes. <laughs> so that's our little preview of AEW Grand Slam Week, which is going to be fucking nuts. So, yeah. So uh. much so that our headline, our head, our headlines and our uh, our little news notes uh, that we want to get to, we'll actually talk about those uh, AEW Dynamite and Rampage shows. Uh, so what do we got for that? So both of the shows are two hours. You are getting four hours of wrestling this week. So basically, minus the commercials, you are getting the average length of a pay-per-view. You will get three hours of wrestling this week. So including, you know, pitcher and pitcher, you probably run into three hours, 20 minutes or something like that. So yeah, both are two hours. Uh, so make sure nine to 11 or, or yeah, nine. Uh, what is it? A uh, ten Eastern to midnight on Friday. You you tell your boys that you're gonna be out a little bit late. You tell your girls that uh, it's gonna have to wait because you're gonna be watching the wrestling. Uh, and Wednesday, and and then Wednesday you get two hours. You get two hours of some of the best professional wrestling in the world. And honestly, you'll be so up so late on Friday night after that, you'll probably just be able to turn it on New Japan and start watching the G1. So, really? Y- yes. Really? <laughs> so, you you're like you get 2 hours of SmackDown. 2 hours uh, you get 2 hours of SmackDown. Then you get 2 hours of AEW. Then if you were a New Japan fan, you can watch an hour of Strong. That's five hours. Then you'll get the G1 show, which is another two and a half hours. Friday night, could just get your boys together, pull your money, get some snacks, and watch wrestling for like seven hours. Yeah, so enjoy. Yeah, so enjoy. Uh, we also got the announcement today from Fightful Select that's been confirmed from many fronts and also from Fightful Select uh, that... The uh, full gear will be taking place on November 13th live from the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And you has been announced? Uh, Fightful Select uh, uh, put that out a minute ago or whatever, that it's going to be the Target Center. All right, there you oh. go. So me being my infinite wisdom, I had booked a hotel close to the Target Center and a hotel... <laughs> And a hotel close to the other place. I was just waiting for them to pick one. So they picked the Target Center. Uh, so we will be in the building for that. I'm very excited about that. Minneapolis, Minnesota has always been on my bucket list. I kind of heard rumors that um, WrestleMania was going to be there because they have the new football field. And that never happened. I've always wanted to go to the Mall of America uh, again. I tell people I tell people I'm old, so I still dig malls. So we are literally going a day early so we can spend a whole day at the Mall of America. Yes. Uh as someone who's been to Minnesota and like if I was to choose a place to like live and then just like stay, honestly I would pick uh Minneapolis. I just like Minnesota. I think it's a really cool place. Mall of America is dope. Uh buy me a Vikings jersey while you're there to cry into, uh, because it's gonna be a really Really hard season I, on my boy. I, I I forgot that you root somehow for Minnesota and Detroit, which is the weirdest thing ever. It's just because of the way I was raised. Not yeah. even the way I was raised, just because of like I I don't know. I just played as them in ESPN NFL two K five. I played as the Vikings because I like their colors. And also they also had a really, really fucking good offense. So catch that a beat running catch a beat running like Randy Moss. You know what I mean? <laughs> And yeah. yes, and lest we forget Dante Culpepper, who I have a signed helmet from. So yeah. yes, yeah. he's awesome. Yeah, uh, 
yeah. So I, it's weird to root for two teams in the same division. I, I will fully admit that, but I still do it, and I will continue to do it. All right. The last piece of news from the week. This is the this was big and pretty polarizing from both sides. AEW and the Owen Hart Foundation enter in a relationship to honor world round wrestler Owen Hart's legacy. Uh, this is the press release. AEW and the Owen Hart Foundation, a nonprofit charity which provides a vast range of assistance and opportunities to individuals in need across the world, are collaborating to honor the legacy of the late. Wrestler Owen Hart, a beloved figure in professional wrestling community and beyond. The collaboration includes launching the annual Owen Hart Cup tournament within AEW, which will see the receiver uh, winner receive a cup known as the Owen and as the production distribution of unique and original Owen Hart merchandise, including specified retail goods, as well as the a upcoming AEW console video game. So Owen Hart will be a playable character in the AEW console video game, he will, uh, uh, Jeremy Padawar uh, from Jazzwares today said he will have a figure of Owen Hart. It looks like they're going in on the business of Owen Hart. Uh, before I talk about the controversy along it, what do you think about that, sir? This alone, like I, this was a statement that I never thought would come from AEW. Um, We've we've all seen Dark Side of the Ring. We've all seen the Owen Hart story, and we know how tragic it is, and like how Owen Hart's legacy has really just been kept alive by the fans that really like respected and loved Owen Hart. And when it came to pro wrestling companies, like it kind of was just like not really touched. And the I mean, Dark Side of the Ring. Chris Jericho works on the show. Um, they did really good by. Uh, by Owen Hart's family and his wife and they really showcased him in a great light and they've Owen Hart's family has a hundred percent shown why they do not want Owen's legacy to be uh included in the WWE Hall of Fame they have agreed to this and I think this just works well for both parties because I think Owen Hart is one of those wrestlers that is just he's so many, no one can really say anything bad about him, and I think it's just because he's shown himself. He showed himself to be just a stand-up guy and a great wrestler at that, and like just something that should have never happened happened, and it was horrifying. Um, and look, I think having a tournament uh, dedicated to him is great. It just really works for that. Him being in the video game is something that I never thought would happen. Um, but you know what? That's fucking cool to begin with. And I'm sure with the merchandise and the retail goods, um, like I, there's no way that the Owen Hart Foundation doesn't like get in on this as well. Why else would it be partnered with them if they were going to be doing it? So it's not like they're not going to be supported with all of these retail uh, decisions and stuff like that. And they were already selling T-shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees for Owen Hart, so it's not like he hadn't been merchandised before. So. This I have no issue with this. I think this is great. Owen Hart was trending on Twitter like crazy. Seeing Owen Hart, um, Owen Hart's name out there and being such a positive force in pro wrestling, I am a hundred percent for. And I think the controversy is unbelievably overblown. All right. So there's been controversy on both sides. One side is the uh, people saying, um, you know. I can't believe AEW is doing more for the Hart family than uh, WWE. Pause. She didn't want anything to do with the WWE. 
She's exactly. made that clear on it. It wasn't a. Uh, it wasn't for the lack of WWE trying. She wanted nothing to do with WWE. So please don't try to make this like WWE's the bad guy in this situation. They are in some ways, but I'm just saying it wasn't because they didn't want to honor own heart. So don't act like that. The other side of it is I can't believe AEW is like basically taking advantage of this situation. Um, I am all for anything that honors Owen Hart. Uh, Owen Hart, growing up, he was the little brother. I'm the little brother in my family. He was the little brother in his family. And so I, I always quietly rooted for Owen Hart, the Nugget, the Blue Blazer. He was just all together, great athlete, entertaining wrestler. So I'm all for that. I don't see this as ex- ex- exploitative all the time because they're working with a nonprofit organization to honor Owen Hart, and they've done it. You know, when some when wrestlers die that don't never worked for AEW, they honored them on the show. When they were in Memphis, they honored the legends of Memphis wrestling. This has been on brand for AEW since they started so it's not like they're doing something outside of their business practices to help owen hart and what are you gonna say oh and i was gonna say it's not like they haven't done anything with the hart family before bret hart literally debuted the AEW world championship and only reason bret hart didn't doesn't work with AEW more because he said he didn't want to affect natalia's career that was the only reason he doesn't work with them more. Uh, my boys, FTR, I mean, they're the biggest uh, Bret Hart marks I've ever heard of. <laughs> they think he's the greatest they ever do it, and that's amazing. So, of course, by naturally, I love Bret Hart. Uh, but I've always loved Bret Hart. But it's just you're working with the Hart family. You're giving to this foundation that's a nonprofit organization. You have a department in your company called AEW Community that serves this exact purpose. To me, this is a win-win for all the all around. If I'm the WWE, I'm completely supportive of this. If I'm, you know, anyone in there, I, I am completely supportive of this. Not just because it's AEW, because it's a person that a lot of wrestlers love. Kevin Owens named his kid after Owen Hart. So this is this is just perfect. I'm glad they honored it. I hate that people are trying to make this an AEW versus WWE thing because that's not what it's about. It's about the honoring the legacy of a great wrestler and from everything I've heard, an even better human. Yeah, so we can just dead that conversation right then. But it's just, it's, yeah, I, there's really nothing bad you can say about this. And that's the other thing too is that like, WWE wants the legacy of Owen Hart to be remembered. That's why they've always said they were they would put him in the Hall of Fame if it wasn't for the fact that the family doesn't want him to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. So respect their wishes. If WWE really didn't respect what the Owen Hart family Owen Hart's family wanted to do and what the Hart family wanted to do, they would put him in the Hall regardless of what they said. Because they own the they own the likeness. They own the name. And it, not the name Owen Hart because it's his real name, but all the gear that he wore there, all his matches, yeah. they could make an Owen Hart video and sell it if they wanted to. They have done nothing basically against the wishes of Martha. You know, it's like they have a contentious relationship. But when it comes to honoring Owen Hart in this case, I'm not talking about anything else, just other honoring Owen Hart. They're not the bad guy. And I just don't. I don't know why people need to make this controversial or adversarial. Just think of it as awesome that we're celebrating a great wrestler. It just doesn't get to happen that often. 
Exactly. And yeah, that's really it. But those are our remaining headlines to be talking about. And I think that'll wrap it up on this episode of All Things Elite. There's so much going on in AEW. It's hard to keep track of, but we really appreciate you guys sticking with us and listening to the podcast and having us go through everything and kind of geek out about everything. Because I don't think we can express how much we just have been loving what AEW has been doing recently. But once again, guys, continue to download this show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or anything else, share us with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. Leave a rating and a review. Leave a donation through Red Circle. On Twitter, we are at AT Elite Pod at Social Suplex. Make this show possible, so check out all their other shows. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And before we get into Grand Slam next week, I will let Floyd take us home for this week's episode of All Things Elite. In the 2021, the our year of our existence, the man called Sting took a spike pile driver from FTR. 62-year-old Sting. I, think, I never thought I'd just be able to, to say that sentence. So I'm just talking about how awesome that the time that we're living in. I saw a Really, and I, I don't think I say this very often. Saw a really good episode of Raw last night. Uh, the New Japan G1 started this weekend. Go out of your way to find Tomohiro Ishii versus Shingo Tagagi. Oh my God, that match was a banger! But you know, and then there was Tanahashi versus Okada. Another great match. You know, they just do what they do. Uh, ROH had Death Before Dishonor. Uh, um, uh, in, on uh, Impact, we had Christian setting uh, Josh Alexander ch- uh, chose option C to uh, cash in his uh, X Division title to wrestle Christian at Bound for Glory in October. Wrestling is beautiful and awesome right now. No matter what flavor or channel you choose to watch, it is amazing. Consume as much or as little as you want. Support your friends in what they want. Support the wrestlers. Buy their merch. Do whatever you feel like with it. But this is just a beautiful time to be a wrestling fan. And that's all I can end on other than say whether it's home, work, or school. Always do your best to be elite.